Hello and welcome to the Extreme Cinema Podcast. I'm Alexander Sternberg and with me, as ever, is Dom Loach. How you been? I'm good, as always. How are you, Stoney? I am great. Let's talk about the fucking best movie we've talked about so far. Yes. By a country uh, mile, I feel. By a country mile. Like, um, I, I don't know if you're quite as as far on me as this, uh, as far on this as I am, but I consider this, I was thinking about it, I think it's the third best film of the 2010s. I think it goes Under the Skin, Your Name, and then Raw. That's like how highly I hold this film. That is insane. I do think it's maybe my favourite horror, horror-adjacent film of the 21st century, easily. Even more than The Lighthouse? Because I know how much you love, we both love The Lighthouse. Yeah, probably more than The Lighthouse. Damn. Well, um, I think we should introduce it by uh, talking about first seeing this at Leeds Film Festival 2016. And you're the one who, who turned me on to this. And we were just, you know, there was that year, The Handmaiden, um, Red Turtle as well. I was like, it was such a year of highly anticipated stuff. And you just sort of went, oh, there's this gory cannibal film that people walked out of and fainted at at Toronto. And I was like, cool, I like that. Yeah, And then it turned thing. out to be one of the best things. I only heard about it because of like the controversy and the, oh, this is one of those faint films where people go in and are throwing up and they've needed doctors there and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course they have. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out to be so much more than that. Like, it, it turned out to be like the best film of the festival. And I like how its reputation, because a couple of weeks after it played at Leeds, it started blowing up all over the place. And I was like, thank you, Dom. Because the year before I missed Embrace of the Serpent not knowing what it was, and then two weeks later it blew up again. I was like, thank you, Don, for taking me to this. And its reputation changed from here's the gory, shocking cannibal film to here's a great film. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was it was such a good call on my part. Accidentally, kind of. Because I didn't even know. <laughs> I just went, because I was like, let's go watch something extreme, thinking it was an extreme film and it ends up being the best film there and one of the best horror films ever made like it could completely and um full spoilers as always but like when like the film is so 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 tightly paced and it's so well done and i was just like so engaging i thought about half the film had gone when it ends and then it ends with that big fucking reveal at the end and the music just cuts in and i just fucking looked at you like what what did we just see yeah, I know, exactly. It was one of those where we've done it a few times or after the cinema, we're just like, oh my god, what the hell? <laughs> and I think in addition to being the best film we've talked about so far, it's it's the most accessible. Like, I went with a friend of mine who is not really big into film, just like, oh, let's go to the cinema, this is really good. And he thought it was one of the best five films he'd ever seen in his life. That is just, for all intents and purposes, a random person who I took to see this film. Yeah, it just exactly. Gets you in. It's yeah, it's it's such a good start point as well, kind of to extreme cinema. But not just that, because it's not just a horror movie. Like it's, I mean, and it's a dark comedy, but it's also, um, I think, fundamentally, before both those things, it's, it's a coming of age film. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like there's some fucked up coming of age films out there, what like Ginger Snaps and stuff like that. But this is the most extreme i'd say of the coming of age films yep i, I know is salo a coming of age film 
That is quite an argument, actually. (laughs) Oh, looking forward to that episode. But it is. It's a coming-of-age film. And the thing that just grounds the film is that central relationship. I mean, it's just... It's just unique, the relationship between the two sisters. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the big thing, I think, in the film, is, like, that weird relationship and how it plays out. And I didn't see any of it really come in, like, any of the twists and turns of the film. Like, I was like, oh, it's just going to end up being a cannibal. I didn't, like, understand. I wish I didn't know it was a cannibal film. I wish I didn't know. I think that would be the ultimate way to go into it is knowing absolutely nothing. Because the cannibalism starts fucking 45 minutes into the film. Well, that's the thing we knew. That's the only thing we knew, that it was a cannibal film. When it, we were first so, going in. It's, I mean, the the main the main sort of thing, it's not like Cannibal Holocaust or the Italian cannibal films. I mean, this is sort of Claire Denis. It's a, a French new extremity film, or I would I would argue it's it's heavily inspired by it, or a new wave. I've seen some people say this is part of the movement. I think the movement kind of ended at the at the 2010s, but it's just so it's not an exploitation film. It's a serious film that uses these extreme horror elements as well as as the comedy and the coming of age films um, and the kind of surreal elements as well. And it just blends together fucking perfectly. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about some of the shots in this film. I think that was the first bit in the cinema where we, like, looked at each other. Was the like, party sequence. The party sequence is unbelievable. Like, I gotta say, I watched this again last night at about midnight. Would not have turned on a film that late at all, except we had to record today. And I was quite tired. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't the best way to watch it. And the second that party sequence happened, I was like, nope, I'm just into this. I mean, the directing to get that camera around there and the attention to detail and using so- those many extras and having the set be so detailed with all the kind of imagery of sort of loss of innocence around. It's really subtle. It's not like it doesn't feel like it's out of place at all. No, this... This film is unbelievable. Like, I rewatched it last night as well. And I was just, like, still knowing what was going to happen. I was blown away still by it. It is ridiculously good. And, and like you said, all those tiny little subtle things that just are kind of in the background, but not even really there that you realize at all. That's what I noticed most yesterday. And I think that's... When we say a film is well-directed, this is the kind of shit we're talking about. I mean, for a first film, this is incredible. Like, every every line delivery, there is meaning behind the way it's being said. Every reaction shot, there is, there is a, a deeper meaning to it. Every kind of small shot that should be a throwaway, it has purpose to it. And I don't just mean, like, narrative purpose. I mean, sort of, like, deeper character purposes. And that's that is... I mean, the acting, um, Garance Marillier and Ella Rumpf, I will never pronounce these correctly, <laughs> fantastic, but also De Cornell's directing is so, she's just so in command of the film. It's, in, it's amazing. I was glad you were the one that attempted the names. <laughs> it's slightly better than I did in my best films of 2017 video where I butchered them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm guessing this was number one in your 2017 as well. Oh, yeah, it was uh, by a mile. Yeah, I think Commode said as well it was his number one. 
It was Commodes, and you know who else loved the film? Who else? Which will also come as no surprise, Hideo Kojima. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I imagine Hideo Kojima watching in his spare time. Because there's some horrible scenes in there around all this emotional stuff. Like, when she's trying to wax her, made me cringe so that's, hard. Yeah, that's the most horrible... That's cringe the most horrible in the, like, the or- original use of the word. <laughs> yeah. But also, I love the mix of, like, real and surrealism, which I think is also just fantastic directing. Like, you've got... Like, everything feels really real, especially the script. Like, the script sort of captures how how an 18-year-old in 2015 talked very, very realistically. But then you've got all these sort of weird moments uh, using the animals, like a blanket flying off a dead animal or cut to a horse that's sort of tied in running on a treadmill. And I, I love these. I love I love them stylistically and how they look, but also I love the, the c- comparisons between the humans and the animal, which is a, a major theme of the film. I think that's like the most basic reading of the film, and there's a lot more to get into, is the comparison between animal and human, animalistic desires, and, um, you know, that people have, that people also have these desires they can't control, and just like animals. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's like that party scene where she basically turns into an animal, where she gets filmed, and then the eating of all the flesh, obviously, because it is a cannibal film. But like... <laughs> and and the fighting, and not just when her and her sister are fighting like dogs, which is is very obvious. But yeah, yeah. Um, when the lads are playing football and getting into an argument. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think another thing that I noticed um, in this rewatch is how how important the roommate is. Oh yeah, the one that ends up dead. I mean, <laughs> good spoilers, but <laughs> very dead. That's scary fucking reveal as well. Yeah. That, That's that the is biggest a, scare in the film. That's a terrifying moment when she yeah, like uh, his whole identity um, is gay and how him you know exploring that and sort of the trials and tribulations in that which are going on in the background kind of mirrors in, in a more realistic way mirrors the cannibal story that's going on in the foreground. Yeah, because it's her like coming out as a cannibal almost, which is such yeah. a weird. <laughs> Such a weird sentence to think about. Like, I mean, <laughs> it is like it, it, I think the next sort of reading is is like very is also a very simple one. It's that a girl is sort of growing up to a woman and gets to university, and she's having a sexual awakening, and the sexual awakening is cannibalism. Yeah, yeah, that's what I read it as the first time I saw it. Like, it's 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 quite a gritty film in like a beautiful way. That, that makes well, you feel like that. Well, there's this sort like of that. sexual energy going through the whole thing. There's a lot of bodies on display, um, a lot of imagery around sex and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Like almost some Gaspar Noe esque stuff going on here, quite a bit. Like, oh, that's interesting. What do you, what what do you think, Gaspar Noe? Because obviously, French New Extremity, but. I don't really see any Noe in this, except when the lighting goes a bit surreal at times. I think more just the uh, the theming that he likes to do, like like you said, the bodies on display and stuff like that. It's it's just like an intenseness of that that he gets across that I don't see much in other things. But I, I think when Gasper does that, Gasper's like 
it feels very like edgelord like when you know yes, you've got yeah, the love yeah. hotel sequence in in enter the void it's like he's putting all this hardcore on display are you offended are you offended but here when there's just sort of some breast in some shorts and stuff it, it doesn't feel like it's being shoved in your face it feels very realistic and it almost makes you kind of realize like oh in an american film where no character would would show anything uh, you know above yeah. their belly how kind of artificial that is Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, thank God France exists. Ah, <laughs> uh, French. We're supposed Honestly, to hate them. Such, such a, a <laughs> well, yeah, but such an amazing country for a film. If in the Euros, we're, oh, we're recording this like ages in advance, so maybe there'll be an England versus France game and we have to say we hate them. <laughs> that could well be. <laughs> Currently recording this June 26th for reference. Yeah, um... You also have, like, the changing relationship between the sisters in this and how the kind of power dynamics keep shifting. I, I fucking, I, I love that. I love, it's just such a, like I said, unique relationship. It's it's incredible. And the way it's shown, not just through symbolism, like, the there's, like, the symbol of the unicorn shirt, but just through the kind of subtle ways they interact is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it's... It's an interesting relationship I've not seen portrayed much on film before. Well, here's the kind of sensational question, because in the in the Leeds program for the 2016 Leeds Film Festival, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm completely wrong and it was from a different source, the court now was just asked flat out, incest, is this the case? And she just flat out says no. Yeah. I but think... every time I watch it, I'm like, incest? Question mark. I remember us talking about this when we'd seen it, so it must have been in the Film Fest um, program. And I don't see it. I think it's it's going to sound so weird. I do, and I think it's like obvious. Like the the kiss at the end in the in the prison. That I think is the real clue. Like that's that's not a familial kiss. That's a romantic kiss. And I think you could look at their relationship as, as somewhat sadomasochistic. Yeah. True. Do you not think it's just very French? <laughs> it might be very French, but I don't know. This is this isn't these aren't just two normal sisters. Or then again, it might be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love how I'm just like it's possibly very French, and you're like definitely in. <laughs> <laughs> but the two are somewhat uh, indistinguishable. I mean, if it is, it's very subtle. I mean, uh, this this film originally got uh nc 17 but they allowed it down to an r if it wasn't they would if it wasn't subtle they would never have let that through yeah exactly like i don't think it was picked upon a lot but clearly was somewhat if we if it was in that program so it it's like i could see why and i get the sadomasochistic side of it as well with her, them biting each other and stuff like clearly it's not just it's not just the the fighting. It's that at the kind of start of the relationship, or when they get to university, she is like the older one, and she is, you know, as as um, the main girl's losing her innocence, she's the one sort of guiding her through it. But then towards the end, she's looking after Alex, especially at the end when she kills the roommate, which is also an amazing reveal. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's the weird thing I think you could point to as well, is how you said when she first gets there, she's guiding her. And this whole idea of 
eaten flesh is that losing innocence and she's the one that first makes her do it like she forces the rabbit kidney is it yes yeah yeah so that that's like that's a very a- forward metaphor almost like but when um when I was saying sort of earlier about like how every kind of look and line delivery is important, when she's covered in the horse blood um, at the very start, you can just, it's not just this obvious smile when she does it that's in slow motion, but it's afterward when she's talking to like the older kids, like you can see like she's changed, like something in her had changed when she had the horse blood dropped on her. And it's very subtle, like you wouldn't pick that up unless you kind of know where the film's going. Yeah, that's true. I think it does that great as well, where she doesn't just like instantly to she doesn't do a Daenerys on us. She uh, <laughs> <laughs> she like <laughs> oh, she's burning the campus down with a dragon. This is so in character. And uh, Game of Thrones had what years? This had an hour and a half. But anyway, she. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, this is how you do a, a kind of character arc. Yeah, exactly. It's like the perfect like way to show somebody changing. They do it so subtly over so long and then all of a sudden you like it makes sense that she's attacking people and biting them. Like the party scene where she's covered oh, in God. pain. Like, I I love that scene and then the sex scene afterward with the roommate which is the sort of tensest sex scene ever shot. Oh my God, when she bites herself, that messed with me like the first time i saw it and like it just it takes uh, like you know two-thirds of the movies to get to this stuff and you're still hooked and it doesn't feel like it's a slow build-up or you're waiting to get to this or you know where it's leading it just it just all it's just so organic the, the way the film flows well that's the thing it takes a long time doesn't it like i think the turning point is what the sister throwing herself in front the, the of the finger. car Oh, the finger, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is, I mean, that scene is, again, just fantastic direction, like the kind of intensity there, the kind of black humour with the with the dog looking for the finger as well. <laughs> I know. Um, the, the way the score pumps in, like, perfect timing, uh, the look of the sister after she sees it, and then that look changes meaning once you find out that she's also a cannibal. It's just, it's like, just... Beat after beat after beat after beat, just perfectly hit. Yeah, definitely. What do you think of the ending with the uh, with the dad? Oh, I love it. Yeah, same. Because I could see some people been like, "Oh, that's a little of a I don't know," because it's not obviously not a cop out, but I could maybe see some people being weirded by it. But I think it's fantastic. I could see some people not wanting to explain. Yeah, that it's like a generational thing, but also like. The sister has it, so this just makes sense. And the monologue is shot perfectly. The effects are, are great as per the whole film. The cut is is exact microsecond you want it. And it just it adds it adds so much to the meaning of the film, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I love so much about it. That cut is one of the most perfect cuts I've ever seen. And especially for the ending. To like the bright red screen as well with Roar in, in kind of big letters it's just the score as well like the way it kind of goes from like kind of acoustic instruments to like that those heavy synth tones and it does it 
it does it so organically as well. It's it's a really really good sc- and the soundtrack as well. Like that's this is how you use like music, like yeah, licensed music. It's uh, it's such a good film. Like this is the first film I think we just completely gush about every single aspect because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, could you think of anything? Like. <laughs> Oh, it's funny you said that. So there's that one surreal sequence where the the dead animal is lying down and then the the blanket is pulled off it. Uh, after watching it, this is the sixth time I've seen this film wow. counted. Uh, I could see the line. That's it. Oh, is that that's it? That's a non-problem as well. That's a, that's a complete non-problem that shouldn't bother anyone. And if it does, they're lying. Yeah. Or not lying. If it does, they're nitpicking. But like... Goodness. That's the only thing with this film I noticed. I just said that's such a YMS problem right there. <laughs> Six out of ten, I saw the wire in one scene. <laughs> we love YMS, by the way, don't we? <laughs> just don't hate us. But you can't deny he's like that. But, but I, it's just it's it just runs so efficiently and like for a for this has got to be one of the best debut features ever made. Oh, I I mean that. Oh. I mean this is sort of Reservoir Dogs esque. Yeah, literally what I was gonna say, like genuinely up there with the greats, and I see it talked about, especially in people that know film so much now. As like, like look on its letterbox and stuff. That's like nearly a perfect. Like it's insane. People adore this film. It's it's a classic already. I don't just mean a classic of extreme cinema, like a classic of top 10 most disturbing films ever made. I mean, it's a film people for four straight years have kept talking about and will keep talking about. And I've just been the script supervisor on a short film that was the main influences were like this and Dogtooth. Like this will inspire people. This will be a, a relevant film in 20 years time. I'm, I'm sure of it. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad it managed to like relinquish that because it started with the oh this is top 10 disturbing things but i've never seen it like on any lists or anything like that like it feels like it completely relinquished that as soon as people start no i think we're the first people to talk about it i think we're we're the first to talk about it in that context even though this podcast is just an excuse to talk about movies more so than going through all the messed up stuff but like it it's just it's so good, and I feel like it won over horror fans, like, pretty universally, but it it, it it wins over people who don't quite like horror movies as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, because it's not purely horror at all. Like, like, it's not, like, a straight-out scary film. The scary parts, but it, it more makes you feel weird rather than terrifies you or anything. It's... It's engrossing and uncomfortable at points and, like, yeah, gross at points and scary at points. and But it, it's, it balances everything perfectly. It's not like when there's humour, it's not, like, in contrast to the horror. It's, it's a part of the film. Every single element is played so perfectly, and I, I think that's the, the script, primarily. Yeah, yeah, perfect script. Like, it's... I mean, what an ear for dialogue. Like, how many films actually capture how how people who were 18 and 2015 talk? Oh, it's almost impossible. Like, 
the did it in Dazed and Confused. Linklater does it. That's the <laughs> no, but no, I do, I Linklater does it, but Linklater is 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 still writing stylish. Like there are a lot of kind of philo- philosophical monologues oh, well, that don't yeah, relate yeah. to anything. But the characters. This is like American Honey is is the thing I would I would link closest to this. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, that like that captured millennials perfectly and this 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 did so as well and it's not it's not like it's trying to do that it's not like this is a film for our youth and it's it's really like prescient it's it's just a film about these characters and their voices are just so well captured my god yeah i think that's why like you said people would see it as this precursor to a new french new wave again as well because it it captures that millennial voice so so well. De Cornell's next film is at Cannes this year, and I'm praying for it to be at London Film Fest. Like I will be, I will be. London Film Fest kind of sucks because it's ridiculously expensive and annoying to get tickets for and everything. But like, I will be going to that. Oh yeah, definitely. I hope it's at the Leeds one. So. <laughs> oh, it probably, it probably will be. I mean, Raw was at it. Yeah, exactly. Like on that debut, and now Raw's so critically acclaimed i imagine it would be i think we should say as well this is the first film we've talked about where there's no need going into like the history of its censorship because it just wasn't obviously like britain especially has come a long way in the last 10 to 15 years of not banning and cutting shit too much too badly but it's just it's a it's a it's it's such a modern era film. This isn't like a video nasty. It's not trying to be a video nasty. It's not trying to be an Italian cannibal film. It's just it's it's just a strikingly cutting edge movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause it's so modern compared to everything we've talked about as well. Obviously, it's not as banned. I'm sure it is in some of those insane countries out there. I I I did have a bit of a look. I don't I couldn't see it, but I don't know. If this has been released in every territory or whatnot. Yeah, true. But that's... I mean... Like you said, it's not an exploitation anyway. It's not trying to be that. I think the the thing with it is the kind of sexually charged energy to it. The fact that this is all to do with sort of animalistic desire and sex. I think that's what's, what's so unnerving about it. It's not like a film about a rational cannibal who rationally wants to eat people. Um, it's... It's about a person whose desires are sort of taking over them and everyone can relate to that and it's just using the cannibalism as sort of a really extreme metaphor for it. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so genius. Because they so- somehow made you relate to cannibalism <laughs> in, like, in like the most pure form. It's so weird. It made you relate to cannibalism, make you relate to this completely fucked up, unique relationship that like nobody... Well, maybe someone does but like (laughs) it's such a realistic relationship even though the stuff that's actually the actual like story beats that are happening with it are insane but the relationship is just so good that you can relate to this relationship even though she's like you know taking her to murder car you know people in cars and eat them yeah yeah exactly that's like never seen a film make me relate to something so messed up like i hope i mean not just julia de cornell does more i'm so excited for that new film but the 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 two leads i really i i really want to see them in more because they're not in a lot yeah i don't think i've seen them in anything else 
after or before? No, I've added some... S- I added some stuff Ella Rumpf was in um, to my like letterbox watch list, but it's nothing like it's nothing well known. Yeah, because they're fantastic as well. Like, I guess we did say the acting was great, but like the acting is unbelievable. Like, the acting's in- incredible. Yeah. Uh, should we do final thoughts? Yeah, you go for it because I feel like you'll have a lot to say. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. I I I love to paraphrase Roger E, but I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, <laughs> loved every minute of it. It's it's so good. It's like I said, the third best film of the 2010s in my eyes. It is a horror movie for horror fans. It, it's, I mean, it's such a horror movie for horror fans. It's such a horror movie for not horror fans. It's just it's just it's everything. If you want an intelligent drama, black comedy horror film if you just want a good fucking movie go watch this i mean it blew me away and i don't think i'm overhyping this as well like because i've never i've i gush about this film constantly and i've never had anyone tell me after i recommend it to them you overhyped it a bit like it's just it's so good and it, frankly like if you're listening to this already you've seen it i imagine you kind of know how how good it is and i'm julia de now come on she could be she could just be such a voice in cinema and i'm just so excited to see where her career goes yeah i mean all i can do is literally echo everything you said like and just say that <laughs> it is accessible as well like if people are like i'm in an iron about it it is like obviously don't show it to your kids but like, <laughs> so engaging like, it feels like it's 45 minutes it honestly feels like half a film because you're just so in this world. Yeah, exactly. It's like that that feel where it's like a, you're at a really good gig or something like that where it seems to last 20 minutes because you're just so engaged. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. <laughs> I know. Wait a minute. They're playing Everlong. That means we've been here for... Of course. Of course. That's what I was thinking. Of. It is like that. That's literally how I, that's literally how I described the feeling when it ended. I'd compare it to when Foo Fighters played Everlong and we just looked at each other like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. That What a weird way to end talking about this film. <laughs> what a we-, we were comparing Necromantic to Misfits last week and now we're comparing Raw to the Foo Fighters. As you can tell, we like music. So, uh, anyway. so Dom, what are we watching next week? We're going from one masterpiece to another. Am I right? Oh, just the best. I mean, tell them, Sterney, please. <laughs> we're watching... Uh, classic hong kong category three film ricky O, the story of ricky if you've not (laughs) seen it it's the most it's i mean the most mental martial arts film that i know that i've seen i've I've seen like a few crazy things like miami connection obviously but like this yes this is unbelievable if you've not seen this holy shit Get as many people around as possible. Yes, it's a definitely a watch with your friends type of one. This film is incredible. <laughs> that next episode is going to be a lot more like the previous one of us just like losing our minds. Like here, like thoughtful discussion. Next week, what the fuck yeah, is this? Yeah, if you're ready to hear me scream again. <laughs> <laughs> right. So thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. 
the Extreme Cinema Podcast, available where all good podcasts are available.